Hey everyone, you're listening to the A to Z of musicals and that's where I delve into each letter of the alphabet and think about all things musical. Musical legends, musical creatives, stage shows, musical films, you name it, all beginning with the letter H. So let's get straight in. I am going to start today's letter H with a musical theatre legend, the incredible Jerry Herman. Yes, Jerry Herman, the composer and lyricist of shows like Hello Dolly and Mame and Mac and Mabel and La Cage au Fall. Gosh, what a talent. And this guy, this young man, learned to play the piano at a very early age. His parents were interested in the theatre and would take him to see shows. And as a student at university, he would put on uh, productions. In fact, he wrote his first musical, which was called Sketchbook, when he was at university. He also would direct shows when his parents were um, had counsellors at summer camps over the years and he uh, directed Oklahoma and Finian's Rainbow and a heap of others. So he had a really good grounding and music was always a part of his life. When Jerry Herman was only 17, he met the composer and lyricist Frank Lesser, who of course went on to create musicals such as Guys and Dolls, how to succeed in business without really trying, The Most Happy Fella. And uh, Frank Lesser really encouraged Jerry Herman to continue writing and composing. And that's what he did. And he produced quite a number of off-Broadway musical reviews, um, shows with songs and sketches. And in fact, one of them was called From A to Z which seems perfect to fit into my A to Z of musicals. That show actually had contributions from Woody Allen and Fred Ebb. So, you know, he was working with great people. His first Broadway musical was called Milk and Honey in 1961, which was the same year, actually, as Frank Lesser um, had success with How to Succeed in Business. So Milk and Honey was uh, about a busload of American widows who were hoping to catch husbands when they were touring around Israel. And it was set at that time of the state of Israel struggling to establish itself. Uh, It had really positive response from the critics and audiences. And in fact, it was nominated for five Tony Awards, which was pretty amazing considering it was his first uh, fully-fledged Broadway musical. In the cast for Milk and Honey was Molly Picken, and uh, you'll know her from the film Fiddler on the Roof, where she plays the brilliant Yenta the Matchmaker. And also in the film was Tommy Rao, who I talked about in an earlier episode. Jerry Herman's first huge hit and huge success on Broadway was in 1964 with, yes, Dolly, a damned exasperating woman. 
Well, that was the original planned title for Hello Dolly. Um, I'm glad they went with Hello Dolly, although she is an exasperating woman. Horace Vandergelder actually says that about her in the show. Um, but this is one of my favourite musicals. I have seen the film hundreds and hundreds of times. I've only seen it on stage twice. Once in 1989, so over 30 years ago, with the fabulous British comedic actress Dora Bryan. And I do talk about this in a previous episode, um, episode C, when I'm talking about Carol Channing. So if you're interested, you could go back and listen. Um, I also saw a production in 2008 with Anita Dobson touring as uh, Dolly Levi. I have to say I was a bit underwhelmed by that production um, it just didn't really hit the mark for me. Um, but the show itself, it's just, it's got everything that you want or everything that I want in a musical. It's got fantastic music. It's got brilliant dance routines. It's got colour and pizzazz and energy and, and, and comedy. It's just gorgeous. And it really was a huge success. Of course, I've talked about Carol Channing in the Letter C episode where Carol Channing was the original Dolly Levi and she reprised that role several times, being the third and fourth Dolly Levi in the original Broadway production and the first in the West End and the second uh, Dolly on the US national tour. Um, there were some incredible replacements as well and... Uh, including Pearl Bailey, Thelma Carpenter, Ethel Merman, who'd actually turned the role down originally, Phyllis Diller, and also, you know, in recent tours and the revival, people like Bette Midler taking on that role, Bernadette Peters, Donna Murphy, uh, Carolee Carmelo and Betty Buckley, just... All amazing, amazing people. Mary Martin uh, brought the show to the West End in 1965. And again, she turned down the part originally. Um, in the original 1964 cast as Irene Malloy was Eileen Brennan, the fabulous actress. And uh, I would have loved to have seen that production with her and Carol Janning. Imagine. The show was directed by Gower Champion. And it just went on to become uh, the heart of musical theatre in America and across the world. It's such a popular show. Now, in 1969, the film of Hello, Dolly! was released. And there's a lot of controversy around this film and whether or not Carol Channing should have been cast. And I love Carol Channing. But for me, Barbara Streisand is the perfect Dolly Levi and I don't really care whether she was too young or not. I don't really even notice it. What I see is a film that's bright and dazzling and beautiful and funny and epic. It's a huge production directed by the super talented Gene Kelly and you could argue that you know some of the staging is maybe too perfect and too positioned I don't I don't agree with that I just love watching this film and 
Barbara Streisand knocks me off my chair every single time I watch it. She's just, you know, she was a young woman. Uh, it's hard to believe she was so young, really, when she had the confidence and the... Uh, wow, her performance level was just amazing. But, of course, we know that this was not a happy uh, production. The, the team were arguing and uh, it was difficult to shoot. There were a lot of clashes and tension between the director and the, the cast and Barbara Streisand being um, allegedly very controlling and uh, the costume uh, designer Irene Sheraf and the um, choreographer uh, Michael Kidd not getting along. I I don't see that when I'm watching it. I, I believe that that's the case. I, you know, I genuinely believe that that must have been a very difficult film to shoot. But when I watch it, I see the fantastic epic scenes, the beautiful photography and cinematography and the costumes and the, and the fantastic music. Irene Sheriff actually was nominated for an Academy Award for her costume design in this film. And she went on through her career to win a number of Academy Awards, including for costume design for West Side Story and An American in Paris. And of course, in The King and I. And the, I mean, goes without saying, doesn't it, how stunning those costumes were. The film had Michael Crawford as Cornelius and uh, Danny Lockin as Barnaby. And of course, there's a terribly sad end to the life of Danny Lockin, who was uh, brutally murdered in 1978. The film also had um, Marianne McAndrew as Irene Malloy and she was in fact dubbed during her singing performances by two different people. She was dubbed by Melissa Stafford when she was singing any solo parts and then dubbed differently by Gilda Macon when she was in ensemble pieces and actually Gilda Macon also dubbed Stella Stevens in the 1962 Elvis Presley film Girls Girls Girls. Hello Dolly has won a huge number of awards. The 20th Century Fox film from 1969 won three Academy Awards and the original stage production in 1964 swept the Tony Awards with 10 awards. And actually that was an unbroken record for a long time until 2001 when the uh, when the show The Producers won 12 Tonys. I will talk about the next fabulous Jerry Herman musical name later in the alphabet. And I already did talk about Dear World under the letter D podcast, so you can always check that out. My next show that I'm going to talk about is Mac and Mabel. And again, Jerry Herman worked with great people at producer David Marrick, the book by Michael Stewart, choreography and direction by Gower Champion, all fabulous people that he'd worked closely with. This show did not really have the draw and appeal, and it only ran actually for 66 performances plus six previews, 
and it closed after eight weeks on Broadway. Having said that, it was nominated for eight Tony Awards, although it didn't win any of them. The show had the wonderful Robert Preston and the magnificent and very young uh, Bernadette Peters, but it wasn't uh, a big success and it's never had the success and following that some of um, Jerry Herman's other shows have had. It did have a first run in the UK in Nottingham, actually, at the Nottingham Playhouse in 1981 with Dennis Quilly as Max Sennett and Imelda Staunton as Mabel Normand. But it didn't transfer to the West End and actually it took quite a while. It wasn't until 1995 that there was a full-scale production at the Piccadilly Theatre in the West End. And I actually went to see this. I saw Caroline O'Connor. Now, she was brilliant. And I know that she's she's had a fabulous career on the stage. And she was absolutely brilliant as Mabel. But for me, this show just doesn't quite work. Um, I've seen, actually, a touring production just a few years ago in 2015. It started at the Chichester Festival Theatre with Michael Ball and Rebecca Lachance with the amazing Anna Jane Casey in the role of Lottie Ames. But it it was really Anna Jane Casey's scenes that stole the show for me, tap your troubles away. Um, It didn't, again, as I say, for me, have that sense of this is a great engaging show but the next Jerry Herman show absolutely did have the appeal this became Jerry Herman's third hit La Cage au Fall 1983 on Broadway one of the first Broadway musicals that was centered around a gay couple and it has the most fun fantastic songs in it including I Am What I Am which became a hit globally Uh, it became a gay anthem really and it was a massive hit for Gloria Gaynor and it was recorded by so many people including the super talented Shirley Bassey, Marty Webb, Linda Edder, Eddie Fisher, such a great song and this show won the Tony Award for Best Musical and then subsequently for the next two revivals best musical revival as well and you can see why it's just such a a a warm great loving heartfelt production and and uh, i actually saw john partridge in a touring production of it just a few years ago in in the uk and really fell in love with the show again so jerry herman has had some amazing amazing hits And for me, there is absolutely no doubt that he is a musical theatre legend. Okay, so I'm going to give you a clue now to our next musical, beginning with H. Just listen to me playing something and see if you can work it out. did you guess that was me playing the banjo or should I say attempting to play the banjo when I retired a couple of years ago I 
I, I said that I wanted to learn to play the banjo. You can tell that my lessons didn't go very far. But the reason why I wanted to learn the banjo was because of the 1967 film version of Half a Sixpence. I watched this film all the time as a young teenager. I absolutely loved it. And uh, there was a scene in there where the character of Arthur Kipps, Artie, dreams about what he'd spend his money on if he had money to burn. And of course, the main thing that he wants is a banjo. And it leads into this fantastic whole routine with the ensemble joining in and dancing. And it's, it's brilliant. And I loved this scene. And Tommy Steele, of course, was a brilliant banjo player. So they used his skill. Now, Tommy Steele got the part in the film because he'd already starred in London and then on Broadway in the stage production. So back in 1963, when Tommy Steele was actually already a well-known uh, pop star in the UK especially, um, it was decided to write a vehicle for him uh, and that's what uh, Half a Sixpence became. Music and lyrics by David Henniker. David Henniker had also worked on um, shows like Charlie Girl, which actually I saw a uh, 1987 touring production of, which had the fabulous Bonnie Langford and Nicholas Parsons, Paul Nicholas and Dora Bryan in that touring production of Charlie Girl. The stage show was successful and it absolutely boosted Tommy Steele's career. In fact, so much so that ultimately he became a huge international star with great popularity, which he actually still has now. Um, he, uh, he just has continued to work on stage and uh, he's always been seen, particularly in the UK, as a bit of um, uh, a national treasure, really. Now, the, the stage version of Half a Sixpence was based on a 1905 book by H.G. Wells called Kipps. And it's the story of Arthur Kipps, who's the main character. And the story in the, the stage show is pretty much the same, really. Um, in fact, in the book, uh, Artie Kipps dreamt of playing the banjo as well. So the show did really well in, uh, in the West End. It ran for 677 performances. And then in April of 1965, it went to Broadway. It actually was nominated for nine Tony Awards, but eight of them went to Fiddler on the Roof, which actually did so well that year. Um, it's the film, though, that really I knew first of all. And as I say, I watched this film, I loved it, with Tommy Steele reprising the role of Artie and the lovely Julia Foster as Anne. Interestingly, though, Julia Foster didn't sing. She was dubbed by none other than Marty Webb, who had played Anne in the original London stage production. So it didn't seem quite fair to me when I when I found that out. Um, Marty Webb, of course, then went on to have her own success later in the Andrew Lloyd Webber song and dance with um, Tell Me On A Sunday. And she reached number one in the charts, I believe, with that song. The choreography in the film was by the wonderful Gillian Lynn. In the original stage production, it was Honor White. And Honor White was famous 
for choreography on stage and film. She did The Music Man and MAME and 1776 on stage, plus some revivals of Guys and Dolls and Finian's Rainbow. And of course, the fantastic choreography in the film version of Oliver. In 2016, Cameron McIntosh and the wonderful George Stiles and Anthony Drew presented a new version of Half a Sixpence, which kept some of the original songs, but added a whole new raft of fabulous new music. And this show started out at the Chichester Festival Theatre in 2016, before it transferred later that same year to the Noel Coward Theatre in the West End. And I saw this production at both venues, absolutely loved it. The incredible Charlie Stamp played the part of Artie Kipps and he was so brilliant. His dancing was, was incredible. And uh, he's done really well, Charlie Stamp. He actually then went to Broadway a little while later to take over the role of Cornelius Hackle in the recent uh, Broadway revival of Hello Dolly. He took over from Gavin Creel as Cornelius. And he is now performing as Bert in Mary Poppins in the West End. So this show has had some great characters in it and it really is a, a film and a show that I love. So there you go, half a sixpence. And oh, just a, one last word. There's a new song in the uh, new production, a Styles and Drew song called Pick Out a Simple Tune, in which the um, performers on stage play the banjo. And at the end of the show, when the, when the cast take their final bows, Everybody came on with a banjo and they did a collective banjo playing of Pick Out a Simple Tune. It was just perfect. Half a sixpence. Tommy Steele actually had another success in 1967. Along with the film of Half a Sixpence, he starred in another film, musical film, beginning with the letter H. And that was the Disney film, The Happiest Millionaire. And he starred alongside some amazing actors, Fred McMurray and the wonderful Leslie Ann Warren, Greer Garson, Gladys Cooper, who I just think is phenomenal, and Hermione Badley. And the songs for this film were written by the Sherman Brothers, of course. So... Um, he had uh, a really good year, didn't he? Tommy Steele and The Happiest Millionaire. My next musical theatre performer is the wonderful Lindsay Hately. Now, I absolutely adore Lindsay Hately and uh, in some ways I feel she could be called a musical theatre legend. Um, she just is magnificent. She's an all-rounder. She can sing, she can dance, she can act beautifully. And she got her big break at the age of 17 when she was cast in the absolutely notorious flop musical Carrie, based on the Stephen King film. She was cast uh, in 1998 for the Stratford-upon-Avon production and starred with the legend Barbara Cook. And uh, she 
even took the show to Broadway and performed the role of Carrie again alongside the, the magnificent Betty Buckley. But I'm not going to say anything more about this show because there is an incredible podcast called Out for Blood. And I've just finished actually listening to the final episode. Uh, there are 10 episodes. Well, actually, there might be more, but 10 episodes all about everything to do with Carrie the Musical. So if you're a fan, check out the podcast Out for Blood. But what was great for me, because I didn't see Lindsay Hately in Carrie, uh, I don't know how many people, not many people did really, um, but Cameron McIntosh did see her and actually cast her as a takeover Eponine in the West End production of Les Miserables. So in 1988, Lindsay then went to the West End to star as Eponine. And she was my first Eponine. And of course, Eponine is my favourite character in Les Mis, which is my favourite musical of all time. So Lindsay Hately, my first Eponine, has to be up there as one of the greatest performers that I've ever seen. Interestingly, Lindsay Hately then went back to star in Les Mis many years later, I think 25 years later, as Madame Thenardier, alongside the fabulous Sierra Boggis, who was in that production as Fontaine. And uh, in her interview with Seth Rodetsky, Lindsay was saying firstly about how she thinks she's the only person to have played Eponine and Madame Thenardier, but also that her voice is still being used in every performance for the scream, the recorded or pre-recorded scream that she recorded back in 1988 is still being used today. So I made it my mission, if you like, to try and see Lindsay in as many things as I possibly could. So the next show I saw was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And this was the revival in 1991 at the London Palladium and she played the narrator and is on the original cast recording along with Jason Donovan. By the time I got to see the production, Jason Donovan had left and Philip Schofield had taken over as Joseph, which was good for me because I'd much rather see Philip Schofield, to be honest. I was sitting at the very, very top back row of the grand grand tier the highest furthest possible seat away from the stage and everything was just tiny so uh, um but it was Lindsay Hately she was nominated for an Olivier for that performance much deserved in my opinion I then saw Lindsay several times actually at the Adelphi Theatre in the revival of Chicago as Roxy Hart. I saw her in 2003 and 2006. She was in the show for a good few years and she was absolutely brilliant. And of course, all of those talents were used in that show. And I also then saw in June of 2001, the um, West End premiere of The Secret Garden. This show had opened uh, in 1991 on Broadway and then the RSC production started in 2001 and this was a fantastic cast alongside Lindsay Hately. We had 
Peter Polycarpo, Dillis Lay, Meredith Braun, who's one of my favourite performers, and she's not done a huge number of shows in the West End, but I just love her. I loved her in Sunset Boulevard. Um, I saw her six times as Eponine in Manchester when the show toured back in 1992. She's fantastic, and she has um, a few albums out, actually, that are well worth listening to. Also in the RSC production of The Secret Garden, uh, Philip Quast, we, we've already talked about him, an absolutely brilliant performer, Freddie Davis, and Carmen Cusack. Uh, Carmen Cusack, who has played Elphaba, and Christine Daae, and Fontaine, and was in the 2012 revival of Carrie the Musical, uh, playing the role of Miss Gardner. In 2004, Lindsay originated the role of Mrs. Winifred Banks in the brand new Cameron Mackintosh production of Mary Poppins, Music and Lyrics by Styles and Drew. This is one of my favourite shows at the moment. It's so joyful and it really uh, lifts my heart when I see this and I will be talking about Mary Poppins in more detail when we get to the letter M in my A to Z of musicals. So Lindsay Haightley has done so many great roles fairly recently. She was in a touring production of Barnum uh, alongside Brian Connolly. In my mind, she was the best thing about that production. She starred in the short revival of London Road, the National Theatre production directed by Russell Norris. In 2012 and in the film version actually in 2015 um, and she has played Donna Sheridan in Mamma Mia on I think three different stints um, in the West End and uh, she's just phenomenal. Her most recent role was as Mrs Johnston in the touring production of Blood Brothers uh, just before the world went into lockdown I will keep looking out for Lindsay Haightley. I think she's an absolute star and deserves her place in my A to Z of musicals. There is no doubt in my mind that Marvin Hamlish was a musical theatre legend and genius, composer of one of the most successful musicals of all time. In fact, the ultimate musical for many, a chorus line in 1975. Marvin Hamlish started out as a pianist, a rehearsal pianist really, for Broadway musicals, a bit like Harold Arlen had and George Gershwin. And Marvin Hamlish played the piano for people like Barbara Streisand when she was rehearsing for Funny Girl. By 1973, so he wasn't even 30 years old yet, he became the winner of three Academy Awards in one night. He got two for The Way We Were and one for The Sting. So you can imagine he was a very popular, sought-after composer. And it was the musical theatre genius Michael Bennett who hired Hamlish to work with him 
on a chorus line. They had actually worked together on a show called The World of Henry Orient. A chorus line in 1975 was highly experimental and for Michael Bennett intensely personal. It was a dance musical where he wanted to portray the life of Broadway gypsies, those incredibly hard-working, talented, ensemble, chorus line performers. And he had drawn together a series of taped interviews with 24 different workshop dancers. And that forms the basis of the story of a chorus line. Interestingly, one of the 24 workshop dancers was Donna McKechnie, who went on to win a Tony Award for her performance in A Chorus Line as Cassie. A Chorus Line was a huge success and it actually won nine out of 12 Tony nominations, including Best Musical and Best Original Score for Marvin Hamlish and lyricist Edward Cleburne. Marvin Hamlish actually is one of only 16 people to have won Emmys, Grammys, Oscars and Tonys, known as an EGOT. And in fact, he also is one of only two people to win the Pulitzer Prize as well. So you could call it a PGOT. <laughs> There was, of course, the 1985 film version of A Chorus Line directed by Richard Attenborough. But for many, that was considered to be a disappointment. Marvin Hamlish, however, went on to more successes and one in particular being the musical They're Playing Our Song, which opened on Broadway in 1979. This had a book by Neil Simon and music was written by Carol Bayer Sager. The show was actually based in part on their real life collaboration and affair and the show was nominated for four Tonys. In fact, Carol Bayer Sager also wrote with um, Marvin Hamlish the song Nobody Does It Better, the James Bond theme song. So... For me, Marvin Hamlish, a great musical theatre legend. In the mid-1950s, Jerry Bock and Sheldon Harnick came together for their first musical theatre collaboration. And we can't leave out either of these two musical theatre geniuses. So I'm using the letter H for Sheldon Harnick. Um, they met in the mid-50s and worked on a show called The Body Beautiful, which wasn't really very successful at all. It was performed in 1958 and only had 60 performances. But because of that, they were spotted by Hal Prince and George Abbott, who requested that the two of them work on a new musical about the life of the New York mayor, um, Fiorello H. LaGuardia, and of course LaGuardia Airport is named after him. So they did, they produced a musical called Fiorello, and in fact it ran for 795 performances and won not only 
um, a Pulitzer Prize for drama that year, but it tied with The Sound of Music, Rodgers and Hammerstein's The Sound of Music, for Best Musical at the Tony Awards. So a fantastic pairing and the start of a brilliant partnership. And in that production of Fiorello, actually, Fiorello was played by Tom Bosley, who many of you will remember from the TV comedy series Happy Days. In 1963, Harnick and Box's new musical She Loves Me opened on Broadway. And this had a book by Joe Masteroff, who actually went on to have uh, more success in 1966, writing the book for Cabaret with Kanda and Ebb's music, which was such a successful show. Uh, she Loves Me is a really wonderful romantic love story. And it's the story of two people that write letters to each other and don't realise that they actually know each other already. And uh, this original production had Barbara Cook as the lead female, Amalia Balish, and Daniel Massey as George Novak. And they're the two that fall in love. The show was directed by Hal Prince with choreography by Carol Haney. And uh, this show has a, a beautiful original cast recording. There have been lots and lots of revivals. Well, first of all, the show went to the West End in 1964 with Anne Rogers as Amalia Bollish and Rita Moreno actually playing the part of Ilona. Since then, there have been a whole raft of wonderful revivals. In 1993 on Broadway with Judy Kuhn, in 94 in the West End with the fabulous Ruthie Henshaw, who was a letter H. Uh, John Gordon Sinclair and Tracy Bennett were in that production. More recently, the Broadway 2016 production with the wonderful Laura Benanti and Zachary Levi with Jane Krakowski and Gavin Creel also uh, a beautiful production. And in uh, London, in the off West End, the Menier Chocolate Factory did a fantastic production with Scarlett Strallen as Amalia and Mark Umbers as George. Just a beautiful show and uh, it has a fantastic score. Without a doubt, Fiddler on the Roof is the most well-known and successful of the musicals from the pairing of Bach and Harnick. It's a charming, beautiful and, and heartbreaking Jewish musical which was presented on Broadway originally in 1964 and it has become universally embraced. It, it has the themes of love and family and community as well as the struggle between tradition and change. And this show was a huge success. It was um, produced by Hal Prince with direction and choreography by Jerome Robbins. Now, Jerome Robbins actually had to be convinced by a young Stephen Sondheim to do this show. Sondheim had heard some of the songs and was urging him to take it on. And I'm sure Jerome Robbins would have been pleased that he did. The 
Music was by Jerry Bock, lyrics by Sheldon Harnick, with a book by Joseph Stein. The original Tevye, who's the main character, um, he's an impoverished dairyman, was played by the com comedic actor Zero Mostel. Now, he'd had some success already on Broadway in the comedy uh, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, where he played the role of Pseudolus. And um, Zero Mostel actually went on to star in the film version, the original film, non-musical version of The Producers as Max Bialystok. And this show ran for 3,242 performances originally, plus so many revivals following that. It was a huge success with gorgeous songs, including Matchmaker and If I Were a Rich Man, Tradition, and my personal favourite song actually in the show, which is Miracle of Miracles. Uh, famously, Bette Midler went into the cast. She replaced somebody in 1967, but within that original Broadway run. Um, then in 1971, the film of uh, Fiddler on the Roof was produced, directed by Norman Jewison. It was a faithful adaptation, really, with beautiful location filming, and it won three Academy Awards, including Best Original Song Score for Bock and Harnack. I've seen three productions of Fiddler on the Roof over the years, and uh, with varying degrees of success, I think, really. But my three Tevyas have been really fascinating people. My first one was um, Topol, the amazing Topol that plays Tevye in the film. And uh, it was just amazing and wonderful to be in the theatre with this uh, famous performer. That was in 1987, actually, in a touring production that came to Manchester. Then in 2013, I saw another smaller theatre touring production with Paul Michael Glazer as Tevye. Now, he'd been um, in the film version as Perchick. Uh, I have to say that production didn't capture me at all. I, I, was, uh, I was a bit disappointed, really, with that production. My most recent the uh, production was the London Playhouse Theatre production in 2019 with Andy Nyman as Tevye and he did a fantastic job. So Sheldon Harnick, letter H, Bokken Harnick, musical theatre legends, well done. So in 1956, we saw the release of the movie musical High Society. And this was based on the classic black and white movie from 1939, The Philadelphia Story. And that was such a great film and it was really difficult not to make comparisons between the musical version, High Society, and the original. However, the cast did a brilliant job of creating or recreating the roles to suit themselves. So actually, they did a fabulous job. This film had 
the beautiful Grace Kelly as Tracy and Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra. Of course, a famous triangle in that film and it was a, a, just a joy to watch. And of course, it has the fantastic score by Cole Porter. Many have said that this was his greatest collection of songs. There have been subsequent stage productions. There was a London 1987 production with Trevor Eve and Stephen Ray and Natasha Richardson. And then Broadway in 1998 with Melissa Arico and a young Anna Kendrick actually in that production. The, the productions haven't done especially well, but the film is still loved by many. High Society. I'd like to mention a group now of musical theatre performers that I've seen perform mostly in the West End, but around the UK. And I feel that they should have a special mention, really, because individually they're all so super talented. Um, they include Alexander Hansen, who I've seen actually in quite a lot of productions, including the Andrew Lloyd Webber disappointing show, Stephen Ward, but he was wonderful. He was also in the um, Bublin and Schoenberg original production of Marguerite in the West End with Ruthie Henshaw, and I have to say that he was amazing in that. Alexander Hansen was my very first Joe Gillis in Sunset Boulevard, and I've also seen him in A Little Night Music, and uh, he was magnificent in that alongside the super talented Hannah Waddingham. Alexander Hansen, a marvellous performer. We also have the fabulous Kaiser Hammerlund, who was in the same production of A Little Night Music, actually, as Alexander Hansen. But she's also starred in Sweet Charity at the Royal Exchange as Charity Hope Valentine. I saw her in Fun Home and she was absolutely phenomenal in that. Uh, she recently was at the Charing Cross Theatre off West End as Violet. Uh, Kaiser Hammerland, wonderful uh, and can't wait to see her next production. We've also got people like Damien Humbley, uh, who was a wonderful Charlie Kringus in Merrily We Roll Along and he's so talented. And David Hunter, who most recently was in Waitress in the West End. We've got Rob Howshen, who has been particularly prominent in Les Mis and the stage Les Mis production as Marius, but such a beautiful voice. These people are so talented and I didn't want to leave them out of my A to Z of musicals. Now my friend Colin has requested, uh, maybe that's too gentle a word, suggested firmly that I include in my letter H the Broadway musical High Spirits. Now, this was a musical version of Noel Coward's wonderful play, Blythe Spirit. It's a charming, delightful, really funny play. And uh, Noel Coward actually directed this show himself on Broadway with Gower Champion. This was in 1964. 
The book, the music and the lyrics for this show were written by Hugh Martin and Timothy Gray and Noel Coward was delighted with these. The production on Broadway had Edward Woodward and Tammy Grimes with the magnificent Beatrice Lilly as Madame Arcati. Can you imagine seeing her in that? She'd be absolutely brilliant. And Noel Coward then directed the West End production later in 1964 as well. So there you go, Colin, a brief mention of High Spirits. So we've reached the point in my podcast where I stop and think, who have I not been able to fit in? Who have I missed in the letter H of the A to Z of musicals? Well, as always, we've got plenty, including the beautiful Audrey Hepburn. Of course, she starred in two famous musical films, Funny Face in 1957, when she actually did do her own singing, and then the 1964 film version of My Fair Lady, when she was famously dubbed by Marnie Nixon. And we also get to hear Audrey Hepburn's singing voice in the 1961 film Breakfast at Tiffany's when she sang Moon River. Phil Harris is worth a mention. He was the incredibly talented voice actor who did three great characters for Disney in the animated films. Uh, He did Little John in Robin Hood and Thomas O'Malley in The Aristocats, and probably most famously in 1967, the voice of Baloo the Bear in The Jungle Book. Other people we've not had time to talk about this episode are the stunning Jennifer Hudson and the amazing Oscar Hammerstein II, who we will, uh, don't worry, we will talk about later in the alphabet shows such as hairspray and how to succeed in business hamilton we've had no time for hamilton or hair or the 1994 musical hello again don't worry as always some of these will be picked up again but i did just want to finish by mentioning the congenital twins daisy and violet hilton who are characters in the gorgeous sideshow musical so for now that's all we have time for in our a to z letter h thanks for listening i'm tony and uh, i hope that you'll join me again if you've enjoyed this podcast please leave a review for me um it helps to build my numbers and i'm still starting out really i'm still new at the podcasting so i hope you'll leave me a, a positive review Until next time, have a Doris day.